0: Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bold, Director of Public Affairs. We have a lot going on in the national level with the government shutdown back and forth. We're going to talk to Spencer Tuma about some of those issues. And there's a new legislative class being sworn in this week in the Missouri State Capitol in Jefferson City. So B.J. Tanksley is going to join us as well to talk about what's happening on the Missouri side of things. So let's get started. Today we're talking with Spencer Tuma, our Director of National Legislative Programs, and BJ Tanksley, our Director of State Legislative Programs, and we're coming to you from Tara, where the Governor's 48th Conference on Agriculture is happening, and we uh, have a lot going on both at the national level and the state level this week, so I wanted to make sure we had a chance to update you on what is new this week. So Spencer, we'll start with you talking about the federal government. There's been a a lot of talk, but not a lot of action in the past few days. Uh, What's been going on in D.C.?
1: Well, I think you said it best. There is a lot going on at the national level. However, I would hesitate to say that there's a lot getting done. Um, A lot of proposals have been floated on how to reopen the government. The House, which is now controlled by Democrats, has voted um, on some spending bills under the direction of Speaker Pelosi. Those have passed, but unfortunately, the Senate has not taken them up because the president has issued a veto threat, and he has threatened to veto any legislation that does not include funding for a physical barrier along the southern border. So, in short, government still shut down, no end in sight, hopefully we will know more next week, but for now we're just kind of playing a waiting game.
0: Yeah, there really isn't much of actual development in the past week, except there have been a few announcements that have come out, especially from USDA, that uh, may change the way that uh, some of the programs are running or how long they could be staying in business. Uh, Any updates on those?
1: So the biggest program update that is going to be affecting our members, and I know we talked about it on last week's podcast, is a change in the extension of the deadline to sign up for the market facilitation program, which is the program that farmers can apply for to receive payments to help offset some of the losses they have may or have incurred due to uncertainty in international markets. So the original deadline to go into your FSA office and sign up for that program was January 15th. Today, I believe, is January 10th. So technically, we only have five more work five more days um, including the weekend to get that program signed up for since the government has shut down secretary purdue announced that usda would extend the deadline once the government reopens equal to the number of business days that the government has been shut down For those who are listening, the government shutdown began technically on December 22nd, but USDA didn't close any FSA offices until December 28th. So the extension will be equal to the number of business days after December 28th that the government was shut down.
0: Yeah, and that's something that the secretary did have plenty of authority to do because uh, the program was something that had really just been set up within USDA. Um, It didn't have a congressional guideline that they had to follow. So once the government does reopen, then they'll set that firm date. Um, There have also been some announcements that SNAP benefits are going to continue through at least February, I believe. Um, And uh, some other parts of USDA, uh, I believe, are still operating uh, under some other funding, correct?
1: Yes. So um, at the county level, what you'll see is your local FSA office is not open. There's no one there staffing the office, but your NRCS office should still be open to conduct business. Um, As you mentioned, those who are receiving benefits under the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program should continue to receive those benefits, as well as um, there was some concern about whether or not there would be a mechanism to distribute those dollars in the month of February. The secretary went ahead and decided to release those dollars early so people shouldn't have have any um, uncertainty with that program moving forward, at least in the near future. Yeah,
0: and that's, uh, I think we're on day 20, I believe, of the mm-hmm. shutdown, and it's uh, either the longest or second longest right now. It's very close to being the longest, okay, second longest right now, and very close to crossing that threshold, and it doesn't look like there's much of an end in sight uh, right now. It seems like um, the, uh, the sides are still getting more dug in, anything that, you know, any, uh Any off ramps that you see coming up or any way that we're going to see this change?
1: You know, the president did address the nation earlier this week in the evening and talked about his priorities for border security and really why he was drawing this line in the sand. Um, You're right. People have continued to dig in on both sides and, and legislatively at this point. Um, I don't see much of a path forward, but that can all change here, even in the next few hours. Things change in Washington constantly. Um, You never know what might cause the balance of power to tip one way or the other. Um, It'll be interesting to hear the president's um, remarks and thoughts on this issue. We're all traveling to the American Farm Bureau National Convention, which is in New Orleans, and the president will be addressing the general session on Monday. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, given the concerns the agriculture community has agriculture, labor, and immigration. That's a big priority issue for our national organization. It'll be interesting to see what he has to say.
0: That's what for mean? sure. Yeah. And BJ, I, I mean, this is an yeah. issue that we've all been watching. So what are your thoughts on as well?
2: Yeah. Just talking about how do we see an end in sight this morning, I heard an interesting point of view that was saying maybe if he were to do it by executive order, calling it an emergency, it was a way for both sides to win, that it may be the only way out. Mm-hmm. And I know that's an extreme movement. But then the president can claim victory and no one has to claim a loss. It's just a matter of whether or not that seems acceptable to both sides. You know how I, it would yeah, be. be an interesting point of view to me because you would think that that's the last um, way out. But at this point, I think you guys are absolutely right. How else do we get out of this thing? Yeah,
0: and it very well may be that the Democrat leadership says, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, we'll throw a little bit of a fit, but we we kind of need your help. And uh, that that could very well be what ends up happening.
1: And I think a lot of people thought that when he announced that he was going to address the nation earlier this week, that might have been the next move. Um, He spoke, I believe, for less than 10 minutes. It was not a very long speech and, and never alluded to that. But that is a rumor, BJ, I've heard thrown around frequently over the past at least 24 to 48 hours. Um, but, you know, the only uh, predictable thing in Washington is unpredictability. Right. So I, I wouldn't want to speculate on when or whether or not that announcement will be coming. Yeah.
0: And the other, only other thing I've really heard as far as movement at all or potential for progress mm-hmm. is that um, maybe Jerry Kushner and potentially even Mike Pence have been working together with some of the Democrats to try to come up with some suggestions of things they may put on the table in order to um, make a deal. And, you know, there have been deals proposed in the past that the Democrats, um, they had proposed $30 billion for the wall in exchange for the DACA program uh, last year at some point. Well, now they're saying $5 billion is immoral. Well, they were proposing six times that much last year. The windows just shifted. So things can, they are movable. They're yeah, not, they're not maybe, firm on it.
2: And maybe if we could see a comprehensive package, it'd be for the better for everyone. You yeah. know, where where we do see wins on both sides, we're able to address some of the issues that really need to be addressed and still get the priority of a, a barrier of some sort. Um, maybe this does draw to that end. Um, that would be great if we could see Washington work together. We'll see if we can do that. But, yeah, that would be awesome.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, speaking of working together, I, hopefully they'll be able to see a little more of that in the state's capital. Right now, uh, as we're sitting here, the, there's a filibuster going on on basically the first day uh, over some, well, over nothing, <laughs> over some rules within the chamber. So, uh, BJ, as you've been uh, up in in Jeff City over the past few days, and uh, they just swore in the new class of freshmen on Wednesday. Uh, today's Thursday, and they're now debating on the floor. What's what's the status there?
2: Yeah, so uh, the the 100th general assembly was sworn in yesterday around noon. Uh, mostly a procedural day, a lot of pomp and circumstance. The governor had a the ball last night where everyone's introduced and everyone has a great time and gets to kind of celebrate their election officially in the Capitol. Uh, it was a good day. Had a lot of great conversations in the Capitol. Uh, we had new leadership that won their elections. Um, we knew who those leaders were going to be, but they were officially sworn in as leaders. Um, representative Elijah Har is the new speaker of the house. Um, he comes from Springfield, a Republican from Springfield. Um, one of the younger speakers that we've seen in a while, uh, kind of a trend of young leadership in the house. Um, so he comes in with a lot of excitement talking. He is a small business owner, I believe, but came in talking about um, keeping Missouri open for business and not just making that a, a campaign line, but making sure we work to um, alleviate regulations and make sure that that is something we can actually see happen. On the Senate side, um, Senator Dave Schatz was elected president pro tem of the Senate. Um, he's a, a been in the Senate for a while, won reelection and now has a time to serve, um, been a good leader. He um, often is on transportation issues and small business issues as well. Um, When he gave his address to the Capitol, he talked a lot about tort reform um, and focusing on education and transportation issues as far as budgetarily. So um, it'll be interesting to see how we all come together. Um, A lot of the same themes that Governor Parsons have been talking about has been coming up. He's been talking about workforce development and infrastructure. Since the time he was sworn in as governor, that's been his two talking points and I don't expect that to change as we look forward to this session I think we'll have a lot of talk about how do we make our education system and when you talk about workforce development that means the whole education system not elementary and secondary but also college and career tech schools Um, how do we make those make more work ready individuals as they exit the education system. So I think we'll have a lot of talk about that. Um, whether we see any major reforms will be yet to be seen. Um, but I do think there'll be a lot of efforts in that area, which is something that, you know, falls right in line with Farm Bureau. You know, we need more workers out there. Even our farm members talk about needing more workers on the farm. Um, jobs are becoming more technical um, than they used to be. Uh, running the running the machinery takes the computer skills now that it didn't mm-hmm. used to take. Um, so all of that's very important to Missouri, as well as it is to our urban friends, as well. So, I think uh, we got off to a good start yesterday. Everybody was having a lot of fun today. We kick things off with adopting the rules for the Senate, and we are now on. About the fifth hour of a filibuster, um, which is strange on a Thursday, usually Thursdays they want to be out by noon so they can get back home um, but that 's not the case today, so it 's not unusual but uh but it 's just one of those things we 're showing the senate won 't be as smooth as it, as the other side of the house, and that 's not unusual for them to prove yeah. themselves quickly
0: what what are yeah, that 's for sure <laughs> the Senate can always be a mess in anybody. It At seems all like the they' yeah, so that that's 's exactly like a right. True our house <laughs> I agree. I concur. Uh, what are some of the priority issues that you're going to be talking about when uh, you're in the Capitol for Farm Bureau?
2: Yeah, so um, a lot of the same themes that we've had in the past will come up again this year when we're talking about, you know, Missouri Farm Bureau still has policy in favor of transportation funding. You and I talked a lot about that last session and over the summer, uh, but we're still there. If there were to be an option available, we will be involved in that conversation. Um, Property rights. Property rights are always top of the line for our members, whether we're talking about Grain Belt Express and Clean Line Energy, uh, trying to get the power of eminent domain, or talking about New recreational trails across the state. Those things always impact the people that own that land and and that land ownership and what you can and can't do on your land is always going to be top of the line for our members Um, and then another old theme um, would be um, broadband funding you know last year we talked about broadband and getting broadband to rural missouri we got the broadband grant program this year we'll be looking for some funding for it Uh, we're here at the governor's conference and we actually just heard from the department of economic development and broadband's on their mind their new broadband director Um, And I have had several conversations. It's just seeing if we can get it through the legislature to get that program up and running. But there are a few new things we'll be talking about this year. Our members at, at annual meeting adopted policy in favor of a prescription drug monitoring program. That is a conversation that has been going on in the Capitol for some time, but this will be the first time that we will be involved in it. We've never been opposed to it, but this year we will be actively engaging on that. We all know the opioid crisis is a major issue. They say something of one in three Missourians is affected by it, either personally or in their family. Um, So we'll be looking at that as one of the things we can do to try to bridge that. Um, Another thing, we've seen a lot of talk about this, but is initiative petition, the use of it, the abuses of it. Uh, We don't want to see the state get to a point where we're Um, legislating through the ballot box. And so we'll be talking about initiative petition reform. What can we do to make sure those issues that do rise to that need are important, but that if there's other issues citizens of the state want to see get done, let's work through the legislative process. What people don't realize is when you legislate through the ballot box, it brings up a whole host of issues. Uh, The language is never written consistently with the way our other statutes are, and then there takes months and months of interpretation and what is right and how do we bridge this gap so there's a lot of issues when you go down that path so we want to make sure that legislation goes through the legislature while still allowing for those very vital issues to go through the initiative petition process And then another would be um, feral hogs. We've talked about this before. It's not a new issue to Farm Bureau, but we will be talking about this in the Capitol. Uh, We wanna make sure that the state stays focused on eradication and we're gonna be supportive of any effort to make sure that that is the case. Our members, especially in those areas that have feral hogs, obviously are seeing the negative impacts of them. They destroy row crops. They destroy pasture land and forest land. Um, So we wanna make sure that we continue the goal of eradicating them from the state of Missouri. They aren't native to here and we want to make sure that stays the case so we don't want to become like some of our southern neighbors where the problem has gotten so bad they know they can't ever get rid of them so so we want to focus on eradication and trying to get those things done so it's going to be a busy year uh we'll be working with the governor on some of the issues that he's brought up and on some of these things we've talked about Um, and lastly i left one off the list would be uh windmill taxation Um, that's one that's been we've talked about windmills a lot farm bureau has and the task force and things like that Um, but this year it came to our attention that depending on the way the windmill ownership is, some of the, those areas may not see the local benefit of that. And so we want to ensure that the areas hosting these commercial wind farms are actually seeing the tax benefit of it. And this goes both ways. It goes for the people that want to see more wind energy as well as those communities. It's hard to sell wind energy to a community if that community is not going to see any benefit right. from it. They buy into these because it's going to help their schools. It's going to help their county courthouse. It's going to help their entire community. If it's not going to have that local impact, you probably won't see very many wind energy developments over the years. So that's something we'll be working with those folks on um, to try to make sure that that local impact stays local.
0: Well, it sounds like you're going to have a pretty busy spring here.
2: Well, last year we talked about three main topics, and it was easy to rattle off the tongue. And and this year I'm having to check with my notes because there are several issues. Um, I do think there are going to be some fun topics to work on. I think when you talk about these things, um, some of them are roll off the tongue and everybody shakes their head. Others you have to kind of educate on. So we'll be spending some time, especially this legislature has nine or ten new senators depending on how you count them and then there's uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 brand-new state representatives um, so there's going to be a lot of getting to know each other so we'll spend a lot of time in the Capitol, just talking about who Farm Bureau is the members we work for and how our policy is developed and then we'll go from there I would say session will get off to a little bit slower start than it has the last couple years just because you have so many newer people mm-hmm. I
1: think, and you brought up a really good point about all the new freshman legislators and it's probably a good time to mention that we are continuing the capital connection program in the state capital and BJ I know that was a project you started last year and I, and I think it was a huge success um, but your region of the state is invited a couple of times up to um, Jefferson City during the legislative session uh, you'll work with your regional coordinator and with BJ and do visits to your own legislators and to legislators maybe from other parts of the state uh, maybe even from an urban area where it's nowhere close to where you're from um, but it's a really good opportunity and I think we would all encourage you to get in touch with your regional coordinator um, to come up to the capital.
0: yeah and when are the first dates of that starting bj
2: our first visit will be january 23rd and then that's a wednesday because of the martin luther king day holiday and then we'll roll most tuesdays following that so january 23rd is the first date Um, and we'll work out from there. Um, So it's going to be a great opportunity. Thank you, Spencer, for the plug. Um, It did have a huge um, impact on our legislative agenda last year, and I I think it will again this year um, as we get to know all these brand-new legislators. Um, Speaking of getting to know your legislators, Coffee with Congress, I hear we have one scheduled already, and so hopefully hopefully our members are able to get out and meet their congressmen with Spencer as well. So tell us a little bit about what's on the schedule for that.
1: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So we started Coffee with Congress last year, and and kind of the whole idea actually came from uh, my old boss, Congresswoman Hartzler, where she would always want us as a staff to go out into local coffee shops, have a conversation with somebody who's in that community and learn about the issues of the day. I realize that I do not have the ability to fly every single Missouri Farm Bureau member out to Washington, D.C., but I do have the ability to help connect our members with their members of Congress. And so the Coffee with Congress program is designed to be a casual, informal conversation, um, and we try to make that about an hour long so you don't feel rushed. Um, sometimes when you go to Washington, D.C., you have to wait in line to go through security, and they basically make you take your shoes off, your belt off, your jacket. By the time you get dressed, get to the office, you only have 15 minutes to say every single single thing you've ever wanted to say to your member of Congress and that's not really a an environment where you can have effective dialogue so this program is designed to be more of a roundtable style event um, we are working on scheduling our first coffee with Congress of the year with Congressman Long in southwest Missouri later this month so if you're in southwest Missouri be on the lookout for an email about those event details.
0: Yeah and if you aren't uh, sure what when your times are going to be for these types of events you can sign up for our newsletter at mofp.com. Uh, I'm sorry, .org. .com is the insurance site. Uh, go to MOFP.org and uh, sign up for our weekly newsletter where you can uh, stay on top of what events are coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, we also, one last item we wanted to make sure to mention that was just announced really a few minutes ago. Um, Dean Dalbert from Mizzou's College of Agriculture, Food, and Natural Resources gave sort of a sneak peek preview of a, a study that we had a, a part in uh, helping uh, get off the ground trying to see what ways we can improve the ag economy in Missouri. It's an initiative that we've been talking about being how do you add value to the commodities that we produce? Because Missouri's really good at producing a lot of stuff out of the field and and livestock as well and then shipping it to other states to be processed where they uh, capture the value of that processing and we'd really like to find ways to bring that into missouri um anything that uh, you saw from that presentation that that really uh, was a good takeaway for you guys
1: You know, I think the biggest thing, um, first of all, I think it's important to point out that Dean Daubert really has a lot of expertise on this issue. He's a food scientist by trade, so he has a lot of experience with getting food manufacturing programs started in his previous roles and and at previous universities. So this has been a really exciting venture for Missouri Farm Bureau to be a part of. Um, But I think the thing that struck me the most is the opportunities you know, if we were to bring, for example, a cow processing facility to Missouri, the kind of economic development it would bring to the local community as well as the jobs it would create. Um, we were talking, you know, with the ca- members of the cabinet earlier about workforce development, and that has been a really common theme throughout this entire conference. Um, the entire study, you know, said that if Missouri just continued on a path that was that was not overzealous, that was based on some of the things that other states have done, it had the potential to create up to 70,000 new jobs in our state. That is massive. Can you imagine what 70,000 good-paying jobs would do for the citizens of Missouri? It would be unbelievable. So that really stuck with me.
0: Yeah, and a lot of this would be in rural areas, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of the benefit of this as we continue to talk about ways to uh, improve and support the rural way of life and um, rural communities that are having trouble finding economic development. This is a way that naturally is a fit for what we already have, the resources we already have here, to just improve them, make them even uh, more advantageous. And uh, the, the same projections in that study showed that if we follow those same um, things that other states have done, we could add another $25 billion of impact to our economy uh, within just the next eight years. And that's a huge amount of uh, impact, including another, and that would also lead to another uh 1 billion dollars more than a billion dollars of new tax revenue to the state coffers and so these are all things that seem very promising you know it, it means still a lot of hard work and um a lot needs a lot of leadership to make it happen but uh, definitely was a, a pretty uh, bright sign, and, and the full study will be coming out at the end of this month.
2: Yeah, and I think what kind of hit me is they were talking about local foods and how do you get that working in communities. That's going to involve a lot of our rural communities, just like you said. Um, when we look at some of our most rural counties, there's not a lot of new businesses coming. Maybe this is an opportunity to bring new businesses to some of our r- more rural places of the state, and and the, just the possible impact would be great. You know, and it was interesting to hear that there's some. Um, believed barriers, and there are some even legislative barriers to some of this that are keeping some of this advancement from happening. So it'll be interesting to dive into that report, see what some of those legislative barriers are, see if we can't focus on them during session or next session, and see if we can't get some of those out of the way to make sure that we're not standing in the way of what could possibly be investment you know, value added isn't something new to agriculture. We've always said we want to take the corn, add it, add something to it, and then make it worth more before it leaves the state. Hopefully this is the way we can get into a way of doing that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I actually uh, have been at several events where there's a guy that he's kind of a character, but he owns the distillery right off I-70 at exit 175, the Wood Hat Distillery. And um, he always has a wood hat that he wears. But every time he gets up and gives his pitch, he talks about how, if you take a bushel of corn, you could buy that for what three bucks or three four bucks or something. And we wish it was uh, more. yeah, I wish it was <laughs> significantly more. Yeah, for the,
1: for the more. record, we wish it was a lot more than yeah, that.
0: Exactly, uh, but you could take that same bushel of corn, distill it into a bottle, and sell it for you know 15, 20 bucks or whatever it is, his number right. is. And um, there's a lot more value you can add by uh, exporting that stuff uh, out of Missouri when it's already been processed rather than in the raw form. So hopefully we'll be able to take advantage of that in the coming years.
2: Yeah, and it could be some some great advancement for the state as a whole, not to mention the tax dollars that come off of it that help everybody, that help our transportation systems, that help our local schools. It could be a large benefit for everyone if we look at this.
0: Mm-hmm. Any thoughts uh, on any of the other things you've heard so far at the conference?
1: No, but I have one last question. Go right ahead. We all get to vote. What's more exciting to start the year, government shutdown or filibuster where no one can leave the senate chamber go
0: (laughs) oh man well there's so many arguments on both sides but i'm going with a government shutdown because that's just so exciting for so many people
2: (laughs) i will say that the government shutdown will gain a lot more headlines than this personal filibuster in the capitol will so Uh, i'll side with the national government on this one let's just hope this government shutdown comes to an end before valentine's day at this point
0: exactly i that that threat of months Or even years. It scared a lot of people, I think. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys both. I guess we'll get back to it and see what else is on the agenda here for the Governor's Conference. But uh, we'll look forward to talking to you guys uh, in the next few days. Thank you.
1: Thank you. See you next
0: week. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week, joining you from New Orleans at the 100th American Farm Bureau Federation Annual Convention. And we're going to hopefully be able to get some thoughts on what the president uh, had to say to the convention as he joins the group on Monday for the keynote address. So we will talk to you then.